0: Uh, part of the podcast how many of you guys listen to the podcast? Yes, Christian and Chelsea have done such a great job with the podcast and and we wanted to add in a you know they're talking a lot about what we're doing what we're talking about here, and we thought it would make sense if there was also a, a message to go along with it so whoever's listening to the podcast and if you weren't here, it made some sense. that makes sense <laughs> cool um man worship is so good how many of you know or maybe you don't maybe i don't know what you know (laughs) i don't know what you know but but jesus is establishing a culture of worship here at young adults and like this isn't just like a uh it's not just about like what happens here every other week on a sunday night like like this is about our hearts being transformed how many know we're born to be worshipers and lovers of god before anything else And I I really feel like, I mean, tonight is just a beautiful example of just what God is doing in the realm of worship. And uh, I mean, I know from talking with some of you, especially those of you who listen to the podcast, uh, there's another plug for you. Uh, Thank you so much, man, that God is doing something not just on on Sunday nights here, but in in the realm of worship, but like in personal quiet times. Like a culture is when it's more than just every other week on a Sunday night, it begins to permeate. You know, when we wake up, when we spend time with the Lord, it's our commute to work, it's transformed, all those things. And so, uh, yeah, it's just so exciting to see what God's doing here in the realm of worship uh, before we, jump in- we are in our third quarter now if you've been with us since september you already know all this stuff but we laid out the very first sunday night that we had together back in september we basically shared our vision for the year and our vision for young adults is to raise up a generation of faith-filled sons and daughters marked by his presence and equipped to release his goodness and and that is the heartbeat behind everything we're doing Like that's, that is our why. That is what we're doing here. And, and worship is is like so central to that like that is where so much of it happens where we get marked by the presence of God and leave transformed and so we love worship but that's what we're going after and we laid out we just felt the Lord telling us uh just to break our ministry year down from uh from September till the end of June into four quarters and uh quarter one we went after our theme was uh I am significant so we went after identity we spent that whole quarter talking about identity quarter two was uh, God is good and we just finished that up uh Two weeks ago, I keep wanting to say last week, but dang, um, we finished that up two weeks ago, and now we are in our third quarter, which is Jesus won absolute victory on the cross, and I'm I'm jacked for this one because this is, I mean, I shouldn't say it's my favorite, but because they're they're all my favorite because I love Jesus, but I I just I love this one because this is uh, where where the rubber meets the road in in some respects. Now to be fair. The rubber could have hit the road already for you, and that's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's, that, we're just really jacked. And so what we do is each quarter, we spend the first four nights of every quarter, uh, just like tonight, with, with worship and teaching. That's what we go after. And then the fifth and final night of every quarter, we have a worship night. So that's been our rhythm this year. We're now in our third quarter. So if you've been with us for any length of time, hopefully you've caught on to that rhythm, and that will remain the rhythm until the end of the year or until the Lord says so. cool uh so yes yeah, so that's what we're going to go after specifically tonight i'm going to be talking about authority and uh this is an issue i i think uh, is maybe sometimes misunderstood and i'm i'm not saying that i'm any smarter than the next guy but i'm just going to kind of reveal what just what the lord's put on my heart to share and and hopefully hopefully by the end of this w- tonight we have a better understanding of our authority you know matthew 28 jesus comes to his disciples he gets in front of them and he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I don't know how many of you have thought about this before, but Jesus has not always had authority on the earth. He's always had authority in heaven. That's why David in the psalm says that the heavens are his, but he has not always had authority on the earth. Now, he's always had authority over the earth in the sense that he can snap his fingers and this whole thing will disappear. Everybody will be gone in a blip. But he has not always had authority. If you remember, uh, after Jesus' baptism, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, and he's tempted by the devil. And one of those temptations, the devil comes to him, and he says, If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of the earth. You understand? You cannot give away what you don't have. I will give you the kingdoms of the earth, and and all their glory is what he says, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus doesn't argue with him, because he knows it's true. But even the devil didn't always have authority. Actually, in order to understand how he got authority, we have to jump all the way back to Genesis one, and if you remember, uh, if you remember when the devil was cast out of heaven, it says that he took a third of the angels with him. Third of the angels with him. Now, okay, no quick sidebar. I'm not math whiz. Not. I like words, but, but a third of the angels tells me that two thirds of the angels are still in heaven. They're on our side. They're ministering to the Lord psalm says that the lord has assigned angels to his children how many know we're his children there are angels whose assignment is you two-thirds of the angels are on our side only a third that that's way more than a fair fight okay just in case you spend maybe more time than you should thinking about what the devil's up to and so the devil's cast to heaven he takes a third of the angels with him and he sent to earth and then the lord in genesis 1 he creates a garden and the garden is, is supposed to represent heaven. It's an illustration of heaven on earth. And he puts Adam and Eve in the garden. And then in, in Genesis one twenty eight, he tells Adam and Eve, he says, he says, or he blesses them, and it says, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Now, my definition of fruitfulness is stewardship. I, as I, if I'm put in the garden that's supposed to represent heaven on earth, I learn how to steward that thing. I learn how to take care of that thing. I learn how to be productive with that thing and how to how to how to bring life and f- and further life to that thing. And then and then he says multiply. This is the children part. This is have children and, and basically I want you to have children and then teach those children how to steward the garden, steward heaven on earth. And then I want those children to have children that learn how to steward the garden, and so on, and so on, and so on. And then he says, so that you will fill the earth and govern it. Basically, the Lord is saying is to Adam and Eve, you are my authority figures on the earth. I am giving you my authority. This is the original commission, commission uno, and God is giving commissioning them and giving them the authority to carry out the commission all at the same time so he says i want you to to learn how to steward this thing steward heaven on earth and then have children that have children that have children and so on so that you will fill the earth and as you do my my kingdom or heaven will cover the earth make sense clear as mud sweet See, that is the original commission. The the heart of the father all along was that his kids, his delegated authority, that's us, would learn how to steward heaven on earth. And as we do, heaven invades earth. That's the heart of the father the whole time. But then, as we know, the devil shows up and, and he convinces Adam and Eve to sin, to disobey God, to eat the very fruit that they were told not to eat. And in that moment, they actually hand over the authority that God had given them to the devil. But then Jesus shows up. And he lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross, rises three days later, and gets the authority back. I, I'm just going to blatantly rip Bill Johnson off because he does this so beautifully. He uses, uh, he uses keys. How many understand keys are a great illustration for authority? If, if I have keys to a building, I have the authority to go in and out of that building. If I have keys to a car, I have the authority to drive that car. And so he uses keys uh, as his language. And he basically says, the Lord gave Adam and Eve the keys to to what they were commissioned to do, to, to see heaven invade earth. That 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 was the the authority that they were given. And then when they sin, they give the keys over to the devil. But then Jesus comes back, lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, rises three days later, and in that moment gets the keys back. And now in Matthew twenty-eight, he's standing in front of his dipo- disciples—not his, his disciples, his disciples—and he says to them, "He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." And this is the part I love from Bill Johnson. He says, "Now let's get back to the original plan." See, the original plan all along was that we would learn how to steward heaven and see heaven invade earth. See, the heart of God is to partner with his kids. He's a dad. He wants to partner with his kids. That's why Jesus says he's looking for ones who will co-labor with him. I I grew up snowboarding. I love snowboarding. My dream for most of my life was to become a professional snowboarder. And then we had kids, and my dream shifted. My dream became something about me to... Well, it's still kind of about me, but it's about me doing something with, with my kids, is that I would get to snowboard with my girls. And so two weeks ago, I got to see this dream fulfilled because a couple years ago, our two oldest daughters, Coral and Poppy, they started skiing. Now, I don't care if you ski or snowboard. It's all the same to me. The point is spending time with each other. And so they learned how to ski a couple years ago, and they've been, they've been skiing. And then this year, we got Maggie, who's four years old. We got her on skis. And so two – I think it was two, two or three weeks ago now – we, we got to fulfill a dream. I found myself on, for the first time on a chairlift just 20 minutes north of here uh, with all three of my girls, and I realized as we were going up, I was like, "Yo, this is the fulfillment of a dream that I had, and so because I'm a little bit of a teacher, I was just like, girls, do you know that this is the fulfillment of a dream that I had, that after you were born, that I, I didn't want to become a fresh little snowboarder, I want to ski with you guys, and this is the dream. It's fulfilled. It's beautiful. Now I will say that well we took it you know did the, you got to do the selfie thing so we were doing the selfie thing and the video thing and 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 they were loving it I will say the whole thing was kind of wrapped up in like a, a shroud of anxiety because I had Magnolia who's four years old and could just right under the chairlift bar I had I've have, I've have Poppy over here who she's relatively I I can trust her I got Coral on the other side who's who's like nine going on ten who is overly confident on a chairlift and I start to feel like my mother and I'm like stressed and like oh my gosh and 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 so that was the fulfillment of dream regardless of the anxiety stuff anxiety so anyway but that was beautiful but that's the heart of a father is is to spend time with their kids is to to learn how to partner with their kids and that's the heart of the heart of the father is that we would learn how to partner with him you understand if there was somebody in the room right now who needed healing do you understand that jesus does not need us he's not He's not dependent on us to go after healing. He can come in here right now. He can touch your body and you'd be healed in a moment. We'd be none the wiser. And he's done that. We've seen him do that. But that's not his heart. His heart is that his kids would learn how to partner with him, learn how to steward what he's doing, learn how to, how to flow with, with what he's doing, and that we'd get to minister in healing with him. That's the heart of the Father to partner with us, to see heaven invade earth. I don't know how many of you guys grew up in church. I grew up in church. And uh, I because, do you, do you know, if you grew up in church, there's some things that uh, I, I, think, I think that you're just kind of left to create conclusions on your own. Like you just kind of make up theories. At least that's what I did. And one of my theories is that Jesus just made up words. One of the words I think that he made up or I thought that he made up. I'm smarter now, okay? But one of the words I thought he made up was like baptized. I was like, that's for sure made up. Jesus, like, he, he they were playing some, like, d- Godhead version of Scrabble, and they just grabbed some, like, letters, put them down on his little board, and they just spelled baptized. So there we go. We got baptism. Same with disciple, although disciples I was on the fence with because I'm like, I don't know, could swing either way. Might be a real word. Might, might be a Jesus made up word. But the one that got me for a long time was apostle. And I a couple of years ago, I I started I started looking into this because before that I was like the only time you ever hear the term apostle is in church. Like, you know, you're Apostle Paul, Apostle, it's always so serious, apostles. And and so I was like, okay, hey, what the heck is up with this word? And so I started listening to some teaching around the subject of apostleship and uh, or apostles, apostolic, started doing some some research on my own, and I discovered that this wasn't just some random, like Jesus pulled some letters out of the sky and he said, Apostles, you're my apostles. This is very this is very intentional on the part of Jesus. See the word was actually a Greek word. The Greeks, the Greeks created it, but later the Romans adopted it. And basically what it was, because the Romans were a conquering people group, they would go into a nation or a territory, they would conquer it, and then they would go on to the next place and the next place and so on and so on. But they discovered that when they came back to these previously conquered territories, that the people who lived there had not adopted the practices of Rome. They had actually reverted and gone back to their old ways of doing life. And so Rome, the Romans actually stole this from the Greeks, and basically they set up this system of apostles apostles or in the greek apostolos and it means sent ones and basically what it was was they commissioned people to go to these newly conquered territories and to establish the governmental system uh, education system, justice system, financial system, the arts, culture, entertainment, all of those things in these new territories. The idea was that if Caesar ever showed up, it would look, taste, and feel like home. So he said, he, he, he's looking at his disciples and he says, you are now my apostles, my apostolos, my sent ones, charged with seeing heaven invade earth so that when I come back, it looks, tastes, and feels like home. Brilliant. I love it. The heart of the Father is that we would learn how to see heaven invade earth. And he's given us the authority to do it. Uh, uh, A couple of years ago, actually, Marcus, can I just have you just come up on the pads one more time? Uh, um, I think it was a year ago, about this time a year ago, so it's winter. I'm getting ready for work in the morning. And uh, I I drive a, a company truck to and from work. Uh, and so I, I, I'm just the most blessed man of God because I have a remote start on this thing, okay? And last year, this at least this particular day, it was pretty cold. So I, I go over and I remote start the vehicle, and I, you know, go back inside, or I wasn't outside to begin with, but go back in the kitchen, <laughs> get my coffee, I, you know, pack my lunch, do all that stuff, so throw it in the bag. I grab my jacket, I put some, my shoes on, I head out the door. I realize when I'm outside that it snowed a little bit overnight. So I throw my stuff in the car, I grab my, um, my brush and my scraper, and I brush off all the snow and scrape off any ice that's there. And then I go back to, to the driver's side door and I grab it and I pull and I realize it's locked. So I start doing the airport pat-down you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Cause I only have one set of keys because it's a work truck. The other set of keys are at work. Which i for good, better, or worse, that's where they are. And and so I was like, okay, I've got this brilliant idea. I'm gonna I'm going to walk to the other side, to the passenger side door, because maybe in an alternate universe it didn't get locked. So I walk over to the other side and before I grab it, I like I like grab the handle and like I wince and I pull and it's locked. I was like dang. Now unfortunate I don't live all that far from work. A bad commute for me is all of 10 minutes long. So I hop in our other car and I, I drive down to work and I pick up the spare keys. I come home and I jump out of the car. I, I walk up to the truck and I reach my hand in the pocket, in my pocket and I pull out the, the spare key and along with it the original key. It was never in the truck. As, please, please tell me that somebody has has done this with your keys. Maybe it was a phone. It was in your backpack. The ultimate dad move is like, has anyone seen my? Has anyone seen my key or my glasses? I've been looking. Oh, this is why I don't do this, okay? Because that's just too dad, and I'm not there yet, okay? But I that's that's what happened. I pulled out the keys, and they had been in my pocket the whole time. And I I really feel tonight like the Lord is saying to Forestbrook young adults. The keys are in your pocket. The keys are in your pocket. The keys are in your pocket. He's he's commissioned us to see heaven invade earth, and he's given us the authority to do it, and the authority is the person of the Holy Spirit. I love how Laura set us up already, and she didn't know... I didn't know she was going to do that, and I don't think she knew I was going to do this. Uh, but she just, like, created space for the Holy Spirit. We're just going to create some space for the Holy Spirit in a moment. Because I really believe, I'm just going to, I'm just gonna, as an act of faith, going to declare this. I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to encounter people tonight. And I feel like he wants to, uh, for some of us, it's going to be a a reintroduction like maybe it's been a while, but I feel like for some of us it's going to be a reintroduction to the Holy Spirit and I feel like for others it's going to be an introduction to the holy Spirit and i I feel like he he specifically wants to uh, to touch people 's bodies in a way that you actually know that it's him a couple uh, a couple of years ago, a friend of ours we act um, i'm i'm preaching the next time we get together two weeks after that Jim Chen 's going to be down here uh a couple weeks after that, our friend Curtis Hartshorn, who actually grew up in this church, some of you may know him uh, he's a, he's a good friend of mine i've known him pretty well my whole life and he's just uh, passionate about Jesus, but he and his team they're they're church planters and uh, they they run evangelism training schools and so because I'm just such a good friend, I showed up one time to support him oh, what are you guys doing at this evangelism training thing and and so you know just to support him and see what they're doing and they they went through this exercise of uh, writing out, it's it's a bad way to phrase it, but like um, like an elevator pitch. That's a that's the, a horrible way to describe it, but that's the best way I can think of right now. And it's basically describing what your life was like before Jesus versus what your life is like after Jesus. And for the because I grew up in church, as I've already said, I I didn't know how to answer that. But I did know that I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit about seven or eight years ago that marked me and changed my life forever. So I kind of used that as my, even though I grew up in church, I kind of used that as my like before, like pre-encounter versus post-encounter. And so I was writing this thing out. They gave us some time to write, write a statement out, and I was writing out what my life was like before that encounter with Jesus. Again, I grew up in church, but I found, do you know sometimes you don't know what you know until you're forced to like, like, like think about it or write about it or process it? And so I was writing this thing out, and I found that I wrote, and I didn't know that I believed this, but I realized after I'd written it down that it was true that my life before I met Jesus or before that encounter with him was boring and powerless but my life after that encounter was nothing but boring and powerless i mean it's the most exciting exhilarating power-filled journey ever because everywhere you go you get to see heaven break out you get to see Jesus do what Jesus does you get to see him move and and but i didn't know that i i, I didn't know that i knew it until i had written it down and and i I really feel like God is gonna move tonight in a way that, uh, that, that you actually have an encounter like that tonight, where you know, like, okay, before tonight, uh, before tonight, it was, maybe you'd use different language. I'll just uh, use my language for a moment. Before tonight, it was boring and powerless, but after this, it was, it was completely the opposite. Why don't, you, why don't you guys stand for a moment The commission is ridiculous. The commission is ridiculous. Like if you've ever, if you've ever looked at it, I'm just going to read it verbatim here. You can probably all quote the great commission. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. But he says, make disciples of all nations. The, the commission is ridiculous. And the only way that it makes any sense is with, or, or through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way it makes any sense. It's the only way it's possible. And so I'm going to, in a moment, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. We're just going to, just let, very similar to what we did earlier after worship, we're just going to take a little bit of time, and we're not going to rush it but i feel like some of some of us in here we're going to you're going to experience uh maybe for some of you it's it's going to be trembling uh for others you might feel a, an intense heat or maybe it's just a soft heat at first for others i feel like it might come uh it might come and it might feel like uh it might feel like dizziness at first it might feel like uh electricity almost at first uh, there's all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit can, can come, but I really feel like he's going to come and that some of us are going to experience this tonight. And that's not me just hyping something up. I really felt, I, I said to Laura, I said, Laura, I, tonight, or this is earlier today, I said, I feel, like, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to touch people in a powerful and profound way tonight. And she said, I, f- I feel the exact same way. So why don't you just get in a posture of receive mode, whatever that looks like. I, I love hands out. To me, that's my receive mode. Um, but just one ground rule here. There's no trying. He is so good and he is so, he wants to encounter us more than we want to be encountered. He's just looking for willing hearts. That's it. That's all he's looking for is people who are willing to, to have him rest on us. And then we learn as, as Adam and Eve were supposed to, how to steward him. So I'm just going to pray and we're just going to wait for a little bit. And I'm just going to ask that if you begin to feel something, maybe it's weird or strange at first. um, Can I just get you to either move into the aisle, move out to the sides, not because I want to make a spectacle of you, but because I just want to see what the Lord is doing and we just want to bless what he's doing. Cool? All right. Holy Spirit. God, thank you that you want to encounter us tonight. So Lord, we just open up our hearts to you. We just open ourselves up completely and we want all of you tonight. We don't want to leave anything on the table. So Holy Spirit, right now, I, begin, I pray that you would begin to touch bodies right now, that you would touch hearts. But what you're doing in the heart, I pray that there would be a physical manifestation of what you want to do in hearts tonight. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, we just invite your ministering angels in here right now, Lord. Your ministering angels just to come and minister to your kids tonight. Pray for the fire of heaven to fill this room right now, Holy Spirit.